0: Uh, welcome to our podcast on the common issues encountered in purchasing landed estates. I'm Adam Corbin. I'm a partner with the agriculture team here at Mitchell Moores. I act for a broad range of institutional and private clients, mainly on contentious matters. I'm joined today by three other partners at Mitchell Moores. First of all, Chris Massey. Chris specialises in handling sensitive and complex substantial landed estate agricultural country country house and high-value residential transactions. We're also joined by Jennifer Ridgway. Jennifer acts for individuals and their families in all aspects of structuring their private wealth, including advising upon succession issues and tax planning. We're also joined by Ben Sharples. Ben advises upon a broad range of contentious agricultural matters, including landlord and tenant disputes over agricultural and residential property, partnership disputes, real property disputes and professional negligence connected with these matters. So Ben, uh, something that we often get approached to advise upon uh, from our side of the uh, fence is the issue of a a tenancy of some sort. Could you give us a quick rundown as to the common queries that arise in estate purchases and, and that we cover?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, as ever, you want to know what you're buying. And um, if you buy a large chunk of somewhere and find out that it's then subject to a tenancy, you've paid rather more for it than perhaps you should have done. So these are fundamental issues. And as you say, we come across them regularly. I mean, the the, the big danger areas, I mean, firstly, in the context of rural estates, obviously agricultural tenancies. People listening will be aware that um, the critical date here is the 1st of September 1995, um, when FBTs came in. Prior to that, it was the 86 Act, which governed occupation of agricultural land. And really, then, the, the buyer needs to be alert to any occupation that started before that date of the 1st of September ninety-five, And you know, it may be portrayed as a very casual occupation, a grazing license, for example. But the problem is, is if that if that grazing license essentially had the hallmarks of a tenancy, then it will attract security under the 86 Act. And we've also got the additional statutory magic of Section 2, which converts licenses to tenancies in a handy, uh, neat manoeuvre, which has uh, meant a few people have come unstuck. So, it's a question of, of really exploring what the basis of occupation is, when it started and what the occupation is for. And so that's the, that's the big danger, the red flag for agricultural land. But I think there are other spin-offs surrounding that, such as horses, that, that dreaded subject, for any number of reasons. But if you've got a situation where, for instance, an FBT, to all intents and purposes, has been granted... For the purposes of an equine operation. Now, horses grazing is an agricultural activity, but if this is an intensive equine operation, and if actually the predominant purpose of the horses being out in the fields is not for nutritional purposes, it's effectively schooling or exercise or really just to give them a change of scene from their boxes, then you are in danger of migrating out of the FBT regime away from agriculture. And into the nineteen fifty four act and if the lease, as it often won't have been because it was thought to be an fbt if it's not been contracted out of the fifty four act you've got a security of tenure situation so I think the second point is this this migration between regimes you've got to you've got to be alive to that, and allied to that sporting leases equally can can go down the same route if you're letting sporting um rights you might be letting shoot rooms cutting rooms prep rooms rearing fields that sort of thing again there's a danger of morphing into the 54 act and you know even if an occupier just makes a claim under that heading even if it isn't particularly well founded it's still a pain it's still a cost and expense and it's still uncertainty um which is not really where you want to be so again It's working out what the basis of occupation is, what actually is happening on the ground as compared to what is said to be happening in the documents that perhaps you might be provided with as part of the usual searches. And then finally, a huge part of the value of estates is tied up in residential property, and you really have to be alive to what might be going on in the various cottages on the estate. And here, The big problem is agricultural workers. Um, And the relevant date here is 15th of January 89. You need to be looking as to what went on before that date, um, because that's the danger point that before then you're looking at the Rent Act 77 or the Rent Agriculture Act 76. And if there's a danger that the occupier is an agricultural worker, then they will have protection under the uh, rent act 76 now after that date the, the classic trap is they try to grant a farm worker an a short, short hold tenancy and they don't serve the form 9 notice and then you end up with an assured agricultural occupancy and there you've got a position where you've got a right of succession you've got lifetime security albeit at an open market rent so you can see some significant issues arising in houses as well as the rural land that surrounds them
2: Rather nasty practical example on that one, I acted uh, a few years ago uh, on the sale of a a very nice landed estate in the Cotswolds, um, where the West Wing um, had just such an agricultural um, uh, occupier with succession rights. Uh, and this transpired as the deal was rolling, uh, somewhat um, foolishly, I overpromised when the selling agent asked, well, how could we resolve this uh, and said, well, we could buy them a house to move into, um, was asked how quickly you'd be able to buy the house and get them moved on. And I said, well, we could do it on the same day. Ha 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 uh and unfortunately ended up having to buy a house for someone in a day and so <laughs> there is a certain buying agent who hopefully is listening to this who um got our our dear agricultural occupiers uh in the back of his car drove them around 10 different houses asked them if they like one they did like one of them uh and um i i was given the go ahead to crack on we did um, as much work as we could possibly do in that day and they received the keys and the removal van chugged up to get them out of the West Wing um, on the same day. I am not doing that again. It wasn't particularly amusing. That's a very quick way of
1: cutting through an awful lot of court procedure because there's a there's a there's an equivalent way of doing it under the act. But I think your way is uh, quicker and um, more client friendly, Chris.
2: Sadly, you lose a few years of your life, Ben, doing it. So I'd rather not do it again.
0: How about you, Jennifer? Have you come across any of these issues um, with any of your clients?
3: It's the sort of thing we see a lot. And obviously, I defer to property colleagues when these kinds of things come up. I mean, quite often, less on the purchase side, we see these sorts of issues come up when we're dealing with kind of the other end of the spectrum. And someone who owns a lovely land estate sadly died. Um, And then all of these things tend to come out of the woodwork. Um, and 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 you realise that you you've got a lot of people occupying um, with and all of these sorts of issues come up. I know Ben, you and I have worked on an estate exactly like that, um, with all sorts of quite unusual tenancy positions across the estate. Um, so we see it often. We see it often, yes. And I have not, unlike Chris, thankfully, had not had to drive round to buy someone else um, a house in a day. But I'd quite like to be the recipient of that, actually. I think that would be, take a lot of stress out of my life if I were just driven around and I got to pick a house to purchase. So
1: I think one point is that quite often the history of these occupations isn't, isn't looked at in any detail at all. Because you can get positions on estates where workers are moved between houses. So they may only have appeared to have been in a cottage for a couple of years, but they've worked on the estate for years and they've lived in a property before that. And, and the protection goes with the, goes with the person. It doesn't go with the property. And I think that's a point to remember and also roles change And what someone might have started off as a general estate worker and then done more and more farming work. And, you know, again, morphed into an agricultural worker. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you might have purported to grant them at the start, service occupancy or whatever it might be. You know, you might end up, they might end up acquiring the protection and then you find yourself with a serious devaluation issue
0: at best. I think what I found really challenging is often in those scenarios, particularly if there's someone who's distantly related, you're not quite sure what sort of a claim they might bring, and you're in that difficult place where you don't want to alert um, somebody that there is the potential for a claim, but you almost want them to assert something so that you know what it is that you're supposed to be dealing with, um, and. I think there's I can think of a few examples where actually advisors before have prompted uh, an occupier into making a claim that isn't perhaps the best claim that they could have made. But I've been quite relieved that they pursued that because then we can uh, deal with it and compromise it accordingly. Uh, Whereas perhaps if they pursued something else, it would have been more difficult and more expensive to deal with. But it's certainly uh, one of those moments where you just have to sort of take a breath and have a little think about all of the permutations to the chron- chronology of the matter so far. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you ever have any inquiries which you think that Mitchell could help you with, please contact me on adam.corbyn at Join us for our next conversation next week when we'll be
2: covering easements and covenants. See you then.